what, what it is that happened when Jesus came. You've seen the story. You've heard much of the Bible story contained in this drama. What I want to do tonight is talk about why Jesus came. Why did he come? What was in his mind? What was in his heart? You know, when, when it came to the idea of leaving heaven for earth, to Bethlehem, a little outpost in the middle of nowhere, why did he come? For leaving glory, dramatic, beautiful glory of heaven, to become a child and to experience birth, to leave power for weakness, to leave recognition as the Son of God for obscurity, for that's what happened. And I want to read a story tonight which concludes with Jesus' words telling us why he came, what he thought, why he did it. And I want to tell you also this story, I think, captures the reality of what Christmas is all about. It's in Luke 19, the story of Jesus when he grew up, of course, to be a man and another man named Zacchaeus. Let me read this story to you, Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, that's why Jesus came. His words, his ideas. He came to reach out to Zacchaeus and to engage him in relationship, to get to know him, to impact his life. See, the lostness of Zacchaeus is, is really very simple to see. He's a tax collector. He is a chief tax collector. He's essentially a traitor because he collects taxes from the enemy, the Romans. Because he had their, pow their power behind him, he collected a lot of money for them, but a lot of money for himself as well. And he became wealthy, as the text says, literally by impoverishing his own people. And he was a hated man. Best parallel I can think of happened in the Second World War uh, when there were Nazi collaborators in France and in Germany and in the rest of continental uh, Europe. Instead of resisting them as many did, these people worked with the Nazis for their own benefit. After the war was ended, they were so hated by their countrymen that they were in many instances killed. Now, Zacchaeus, he was, he was lost. He defines lostness for us. There's another group in this story. I don't know whether you've noticed them, but another group that was lost as well. Verse 7 says this. Again, all the people saw this, Jesus inviting himself to Zacchaeus' home. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, these people had disdain in their hearts for Christ, the Son of God. 
you know, they, they were so critical of him that they came to the point of condemning him. So there are a few or two groups, a rule-breaking rule man and rule-keepers, a guy who couldn't manage to do what was right and good, and people to, who tended to live good lives but couldn't keep themselves from judging and condemning. I want to suggest tonight that probably all of us here, if we don't fit into one of those two categories, maybe we lean toward one or the other of them. I, don't, I know that people don't like to admit that they're lost. These two groups of people wouldn't have thought that they were lost. Zacchaeus probably thought, you know what? I'm doing well. I'm living the life. And certainly the people who considered themselves good enough to condemn others, they wouldn't have thought of themselves as lost. But they were. You know, another good parallel. It's like a couple driving down the road and they enter into a new subdivision, a new location. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who's behind the wheel, but it, it goes something like this. They find that they're lost, but the driver won't admit it. The driver thinks he's okay. I know where I'm going. And they, he, they would never <laughs> st <laughs> stop to ask for direction. But the reality is he and they are lost. I'm going to ask you again. If you had to choose one of these two groups, which would you say you're closest to? Well, to Zacchaeus, Jesus enters into his life and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. I want to go to your home. I want to share a meal with you. What he's saying is, I want to get to know you, Zacchaeus. What do you think about that? The God of the universe wanting to get to know a man like Zacchaeus, wanting to have a relationship with a man like Zacchaeus. You know, there's another great story, I think, that defines lostness for us. It's not really recent, but it's, it's certainly more recent than the Jesus and Zacchaeus story. That's about a man named John Newton. He was born in the 18th century in England. Uh, he had a bit of a rough beginning to life. He rejected his father's wishes, which gave him all kinds of opportunity. And, uh, and he, was en he ended up being pressed into service in the Royal Navy. Do you know what that means? In that day, the Navy could literally scoop people off the street by force, take them onto a, onto a ship, and all of a sudden, they were sailors. That was their new job. Well, John Newton didn't like this very much, and he caused a lot of trouble. One time, he tried to desert, and he was literally flogged with a, with a lash eight dozen times. In time, the, the, the Navy got tired of him and they transferred him to a merchant ship called the Pegasus. They get fed, with, fed up with him also and they left him with a slave trader on the west coast of a Africa where essentially he became a slave. Well, his father put a rescue party together and in 1748, John Newton was rescued and, and, and he was coming back on a ship uh, to, to, to England, to home. And that ship hit a huge storm, a massive storm. He was below deck and he was asleep, but he woke up and he discovered the ship was filling with water. And for the first time in a very long time, John Newton prayed to God. And miraculously, literally, the load in the, in the hull of the ship shifted and it, it blocked the hole that was allowing all the water to pour in. And he and everyone else was saved. And that night began a journey of faith for this young man. Um, in time, he became the captain of a slaving ship himself uh, and heard 
the call of Jesus in his life and ultimately came to a place of committed faith to the Lord Jesus. Well, he wrote a song, John Newton did, that was initially entitled Faith's Review and Expectation. Everybody here knows the tune. Everybody, I know it. Everybody in our culture knows this tune, although not everybody might know the words. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing that song for you, at least one verse of it. I want you to help me because that would just make me happy, all right? I'm going to sing the song, and we're going to put the words on the, on, on the screen, but I want you to listen to the words that John Root Newton wrote about his life, and I want you to think about Jesus being the one who came to seek and to save people like him. The song goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. You see, Jesus sought after John Newton. He, he, he met him in a tough, terrifying circumstance. And he opened his eyes to see that he was lost and to realize that he needed to be found. Like Zacchaeus, that man's heart was changed. He went from being lost to find, from being blind to seeing. And in the process of this encounter with the living Christ, his heart was changed. Like Zacchaeus, you know, after he encountered Jesus, he stood up and, and the text says that he gave half of his wealth away, like that. And, and, he, and he gave four times anything that he had stolen, taken wrongly from anybody. He gave it back four times over. He was a changed man. John Newton, well, he eventually gave up the slave trade and spent the rest of his life, as we say around here at IPC, loving God and loving people became an Anglican priest in England, and he was a significant support to the politicians who eventually abolished the slave trade in the entire British Empire. He was changed. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came, as our drama has told us so clearly, to be the savior of the world. I'm going to read this story to you. You've heard it in essence already, but I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 14, the story of the birth of Jesus. And let's see here again what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, 
In a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. See, Jesus came to be our Savior, to save us. He came because he knew we were lost and that we needed somebody to find us. He came because he knew we needed somebody to change our hearts and to change our minds and to impact our lives. Be anybody here tonight who's ready to admit that they're lost? You know, there's something in the Zacchaeus story that I, I really like. It's, it, it struck me. It's talking about Jesus looking up and, and saying these words to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You know what I think is so cool about that is that Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. I want to tell you there are times in life still when Jesus calls people by name. You know, we don't see him, but we know in a profound and very spiritual way that he's with us. We don't hear his voice audibly, but we know that he is calling to us. There are moments when God just comes close and he waits for our response to him. People hear, and they've done so millions of times over for now thousands of years, ever since Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem, ever since Jesus grew up and ultimately died on a cross so that very literally our sins could be forgiven, ever since Jesus was raised to new life, that he might be our living Lord. He might be the one who calls to us and calls us to himself. And since that time, people have heard and they've responded in faith. My, phrase, my friends, I want to say this to you tonight. Jesus came to this earth to call you by name. You and me. Because he too wanted to seek after us. He too wanted to save us. He too wanted to come into our lives and be in relationship with us. Love us, forgive us, be our God. One of the little things that I like about our drama tonight is, uh, if you would, the perspective of the reporters. First time they hear about this story and, and its claims, they're really skeptical. Essentially, they do not believe that the Savior of the world had been born. But in time, to quote one of our fabulous uh, anchors, they begin to wonder but maybe if indeed it might be true. And then later on, someone says, you know what, I think I'm beginning to believe this. And then in the end, they come to a place of actually believing it. Let me ask you this question. Where are you in that journey? Disbelieving? Most people start, th everyone starts that way. <laughs> beginning to wonder? Beginning to believe? at a point of actual faith and conviction that this indeed is true. Let me suggest this to you. If you hear God calling into your life, if you hear the Lord Jesus calling you to himself, whether it be now, be awesome if it happened now, or whether it might be at another time, would you consider saying yes to him? 
Just say, yes, Lord Jesus. I get it. I understand. I believe. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. And I want to tell you, if you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you for his sin, he will completely, forever forgive you for anything you've ever done wrong. And you can say yes to him. Yes, I want to receive your offer of relationship. Because I want you to be in my life. I want you to know me and I want you to love me. But you know what? I want to know you too. And I want to love you in return. Here's how I want to finish tonight, my friends. If you were, are blessed enough to have that encounter with Jesus, you will never be the same. You will become one of those incredibly blessed people who have encountered the reality of God in such a way that you are changed, that you will be made new. See, Jesus came so that he could call your name in the hope that you would say yes to him and that you and he might have relationship not only now and through this life, but for an eternity. Essentially, Christmas is all about this reality that I've just described to you. Jesus came as the Savior of the world. You know how the world gets saved? Do you know? It's one person at a time who hears the Lord call who was willing, as Zacchaeus, gladly welcomed Jesus into his home, who gladly welcomes him into their lives. And from that moment on, I want to tell you the Christmas reality becomes a dynamic living thing in us. I'm going to pray now, just as we conclude my portion of the night. And we're going to start with a moment of silence. You know what? I think on, in our lives, we don't have enough silence. There's always a lot of noise going on. We're just going to take about a minute, tops. But if you might be one of those folks tonight who might sense the Lord Jesus saying, now's the time, I'm here and I'm calling, I just want to encourage you to do what I suggested. Say yes. Ask for the forgiveness of your sin. It'll come. It'll be yours. Invite him into your life that you too might have relationship with him. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment in silence. Jesus, there was a a day when you called to Zacchaeus to come down and you sought after him until he found you. He was changed. Uh, there was a day that uh, you sought after John Newton until he cried out and discovered your presence and your power and your goodness. And Lord, he too was changed. And Lord, for all of us, those times come. When we're blessed, Lord, when for some reason we just sense your nearness and we hear you calling our name and we have that opportunity to say yes to you and invite you in to initiate that relationship with you that is the greatest blessing a human being can know. God, I pray for these people gathered here today. I pray that in the lives of every single one of them will be a moment in their lives when they hear your call. And I pray, Father, that 
they will have the wisdom and the courage to say yes to you. Lord, you came to save us, to seek us until we're found, and to change us, yeah, but to take us to a better place. God, make that a reality in our lives. Make this Christmas reality something that is so real and so true and so good for each person here. And this we pray in Jesus' name.